everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on what is truly a beautiful day here in Washington. And finally. it's Earth Day. And it's Earth Day. Love Woo-hoo. your mother. Love your mother. Earth Day. Um, we have a show. Remember that song, Drinking Wine, 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 Shooby Dooby? That no. we, we have a show. Nobody knows that well, song. Well, you're too young. We got a show full of wine today. We're going to be schlunkered by the time this is done. Mm-hmm. So, City Winery has come to D.C. It opens in next week. Uh, it's down on Oakey Street in Ivy City, right near the uh, Ivy City uh, um, Smokehouse. Yeah, right yeah, next door. Yeah, yeah, that neighborhood. Remember when you nobody wanted to go there? Now everybody wants to go there. Well, they're taking over the old uh, nightclub Love, which is a tremendous space. I can't wait to hear what they're doing with it. That's going to be great. Okay, so uh, in uh, to t- tell us all about it are its winemaker Pascal Valadier. I love your name. What a name. <laughs> Uh, beverage Thank director you. Vanessa Phillips, mundane name, but you're a terrific person. Right. And John O'Neill, even more mundane, who runs talent because they have a huge entertainment venue there. And you're going to hear about some of the names that are coming. Right. So also, we're going to have real fun here, too, because Chef oh Rita Johansson's here. I don't think you should be saying that I word. I should. That's I don't Swedish. think you should. It well, is yeah. Swedish. Okay. 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 So we're going to have fun. Okay. Right? You can have right, fun. Frida? With yes. Rita. Frida is the executive chef at the Swedish Embassy. She's the real Swedish chef. Yay! Yeah, what did he say? Put the finger in the manga. What, what was, uh, no. Oh, my God. I don't know what you thought he said, but I don't think he said That's that. That's what he said on okay. Sesame Street. Okay. Anyways, so she has, she has, I mean, she's cooked for everybody from uh, Kim Carl Gustav to Queen Sylvia and members of Congress, Joe Biden, even the Washington Capitals. And she has promised that whatever she's feeding them will lead them finally to the Stanley Cup. Is that her promise? That I is don't her think promise. she promised that. We're going to hear about that from her. Okay. And Ruta Del Vino's here. I'm so excited. It's a it's a very cool Latin uh, Latin American wine bar in Petworth. Been open about 18 months. Uh, the wines are all from Latin America, nothing from Spain or anywhere else, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chef Will Harner's here. He's a native of Happy Valley, PA. And when we drive up 81, we always drive over where Happy Valley is, and we like Happy Valley. It's so pretty. Well, there it is. It's beautiful. I mean, it's pretty from the view. How many people do you know know where Happy Valley, PA is? Not many. Uh, no, no. That's right. Not any, except us. And Justin Logan's here as well. Uh, we've got sips and samples of everything that Ruta Del Vino serves. But first, we're going to get some sampling from Mitch Berliner. He's out at Central Farm Markets. Hey, and Mitch. today is a glorious day for marketing. It is. We are slammed here in Bethesda. Are you also. celebrating Earth Day at the market? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, one of the things we're doing here is um, we have the people from Tesla. Um, telling folks how they can get off the grid with their solar panels hooked up to backup batteries. Oh, that so is so act- cool. That is cool. Yeah. And so um, you could charge your car and you can actually have your house completely run by solar. Neat. And uh, they are sort of the leaders in that. So we thought that would be a good thing. We also, we always try to invite some interesting, you know, even the non food stuff we have. Uh, voter registration here today for people in the state of uh, Maryland. Register and, to vote. Yes, without right. a doubt. Quick. So we do that, and there's an Alzheimer's walk coming up soon, so we have a, a table telling about that. So we always try to be hooked into the 
local community and all that. Okay, but Mitch, more importantly, is there asparagus at market? I mean, let's get to what's important. Is there asparagus yet? Next next week we'll have asparagus. Unfortunately, it's not that big. Last year we had asparagus the week, not this week, but actually a week ago. Right. It's been so cold. And we will have the first strawberries as well. And we will be opening up, uh, reopening the Pike Central Farm Market in the Pike and Rose, North Bethesda, Rockville area. Is that next week? Next Saturday, you betcha. With uh, 30 vendors and um, all kinds of fun activities. Where is it at Pike and Rose? Corner of Old Georgetown and Wisconsin, 355. Okay. Right Right there on the corner. All right. Big, Big corner there. And what we also have today... Is um, we have morels, fiddlehead ferns, and we have tons and tons and tons of herbs to plant in your garden. Now's the time to get going with that. All right, cool. Well, we'll get started. Don't next say week. that she's going to make me go out there and plant them. She's going to well, say we well, need to plant herbs, and then I'll be out there doing it. We could hire somebody well, to do it. <clears> that I don't need you really to do it. Good. Let's do that. There okay. you go. <laughs> and uh, so obviously, we uh, once again have organic. Um, Tomatoes, heirloom tomatoes, cucumbers, eggplants, they're all in. And just a reminder to people who are confused because there's so much misinformation about, you know, hothouses versus uh, hydroponics. Like, how are most of those vegetables grown? Okay, so if I say, or anybody, a legit farmer says it's organic, it means it's grown in dirt. You Mm -hmm. cannot have any hydroponic products um, certified organic. Having said that, hydroponics do not use pesticides right, right, or fungicides, but you cannot get an organic certification. So we have a uh, Toygo mm-hmm. Farms, a uh, second generation farm, and they're growing um, organic cucumbers, organic heirloom tomatoes, organic eggplants, organic peppers, etc. And they're all available now. All, all right, sell well. So, everybody, just come on out, see us, learn more about our markets. Go to centralfarmmarkets.com. Great. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Take care. Take care, kids. Bye-bye. All right. Let's go to the Ruta Del Vino, boys. What does Ruta Del Vino mean? It means something of the the wine. Is it the root of the wine, the road, wine road? Yeah, sort of when you go to wine country and you get a little map that shows Mm -hmm. this is where the wine trail is. So, loosely translated, we call it the wine trail. Okay. Okay. And so, tell us a little bit about... The restaurant and what you guys do. I mean, you're up in Petworth. It's a really off the beaten path uh, area, which is growing by leaps and bounds. But why did you guys pick that space 18 months ago? Uh, I live in Petworth uh, with okay. my family. Well, so that's a we selfish been, choice. Yes, it's very, so, yeah, right. so when I'm commuting home at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's only six blocks. If I can't walk, I'm not opening it. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, we sort of believed in Petworth as sort of an up-and-coming neighborhood, uh, to use a euphemism. Um, so, yeah, we got in there about 18 months ago, and we serve exclusively Latin American wines and food. And we sort of thought that the value proposition for Latin American wines was really good, that sort of up and down the spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, as compared to Napa Valley or Bordeaux, there were really good values there. And there's a lot of plum too so i've sort of spoiled my liver uh trying to find a really good list of wines uh to present to people who don't and how did you will were you part of it from the very beginning as a chef or did you just sign on Uh, no no i've been there for the past uh six or seven months Mm -hmm. uh started at the beginning of october um and then slowly been changing the menu and growing the program and adding uh my influences here and there throughout well, what the are your influences? Well, you went to Johnson & Wales, right? Do I have that right? Uh, that's correct, yeah. And then, um, you know. 
went to Johnson & Wales and I graduated from the culinary nutrition program there. So I have a background. Um, so we should be eating really healthy today. Is that what you're telling exactly, us? Exactly, exactly. And I prepared a couple of nice ceviches, which are really nice and light. Mm -hmm. um, and that's coming from Peruvian influence, uh, which I spent a couple spent a couple months there. And that's how kind of the Latin American thing uh, all started. Um, got the Latin American bug from mm -hmm. going to Peru. I heard that's hard to get rid of, but that's another <laughs> Different story. No, that happens to everybody when they sure. come back. We know. So. Um, so, yeah, absolutely fell in love with the food down there. And um, for those of you know who know, Peru is all about uh, the cuisine. Mm -hmm. um, and so those influences have been starting to pour over into the menu. Great. So how how is that reflected? Oh, wait, uh, we're going to pop something first. Sure. Wait. Hopefully not an eye. Okay. Don't pop an not eye. Not. It's just there we, there go. we go. So now, All what right. did you just pop? This is the this is actually brand new to the market. It's been in D.C. for about a week. Um, it's Espuma de Piedras. So Mexico is actually producing wine now mm -hmm. uh, in Baja California, which is about two hours south of San Diego, um, and they're trying to bring up uh, wine country down there. So this is a 50-50 blend of Chard and Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and again, there's a lot of bad Mexican wine, um, but there are some good Mexican wines too, and so we really like to sort of separate the wheat from the chaff and uh, find good product for. But people. do you think that there's bad Mexican wine because it hasn't had the time to like grow and to you know really like Virginia wine thirty years ago sure. was not that great because the vines were all new. I mean, doesn't it take time to really create good wine? Well, it takes people with passion too. Um, mm -hmm. There, there's a lot. I mean, I came into you know as a Latin American wine bar guy, I came into this as a hater of Malbec because um, there's a really lot of bad Malbec out there, right? You know, I agree. everybody who barfed at their sister's wedding thinks Malbec is really bad. Uh, <laughs> not that I would ever. I barfed at my sister's wedding because of who she was marrying. Totally different another, proposition. Yeah. Totally um, other subject. So we, you know, in Latin America generally, and I guess you know, in the wine world generally, right? Like, there's a lot of bad juice in Napa Valley too. Um, and I so we you really said like bad to. Juice. Did yeah. you say bad juice? Yeah. No, totally. No. There's no anti-Semitism on this show. Oh, don't You're hurting please, my feelings. No. Yes, bad juice. Uh, there we go. But yeah, that's an eye opener. Uh, anyway. That's what my parents so, used to yes. say, bad you, bad you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, espuma de piedras, uh, Blanc de Blanc, 50-50, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay. Okay, great. Yeah, right. Well, we're going to look guy. forward to pouring We just back. ran him over the coals. He's like, I'm leaving. We Good haven't juice. even had Good a drink juice. yet. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So we're going we're gonna... to... You can pass that around, please. Right. Thank you. And we'll talk about it. Let's talk to the to city winery guys. Uh, so, uh, Pascal, we can start with you. We, you know... Did, the whole concept, uh, there, there is a, uh, not to be mentioned, other winery in town. This idea of, of going out and sourcing grapes and then bringing them into an urban setting and producing wines is, it, I think it's relatively new. Talk about it a little. <laughs> well, I've, I've seen that in Oregon, where I'm coming from. Well, uh, you're it's, a sophisticated West Coast. Yeah, it, exactly. Uh, it's, it's, except for California, which had that somewhat. It's a new concept because uh, more and more the, the consumer like to just walk to the winery and uh, instead of driving for an hour and a half to be in wine country or here to two and a half hour to Charlottesville. So that's an advantage to be in town and they still see how the grapes are transforming wine and that's always a 
something they like to see, you know, the magic behind the, the scene. Well, so this urban winery concept, which has sort of taken off in the last five or six years, what is it with uh, City Winery? Like, what, what, what are you guys trying to accomplish? What are the kinds of wines you're doing? And how did you get involved with it and decide, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is where we're getting the grapes from. This is how we're going to make and it Vanessa, work. And Vanessa, everybody can chime in here. Yeah. So it was started, uh, David Leconte, which is a chief winemaker, uh, started that with Michael Dorf about 10 years ago in New York. And uh, they sourced their grapes mostly on the West Coast, you know, California, Oregon, Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, David had worked in Virginia, but he had worked mostly in California out there. And uh, that's where the best grape were 10 years ago. And to a certain point, there's still a lot of excellent grapes where the rest of the nation is Piddling back to, to to get to that point, which is coming very quick. When you have to bring California quick, grapes like, to, to the East Coast, and they're shipped like that, isn't it? Does the grape degrade at all? The the, the the I guess the quality of it. Well, very little when you know how to do it. You know, you just pick them in small uh, bins, and then you put them in the refri- in a refrigerated truck, and it crosses the country at thirty four degrees. So when we we get the grapes here, they have basically not moved very much, so mm-hmm. it's easy. We process them fairly quickly. They are cold, which help on certain point of winemaking, so it's not a big, major problem at all. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we want to learn about the kinds of wines you guys are producing and then talk about the venue, the because the venue the, is insane. Yeah. All right. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're drinking some Mexican sparkling. Would which that be accurate? Good. Which is lovely. Uh, and we're I see more wine in our future. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Before we get back to the show, I just want to thank our sponsors. And if you're not a sponsor, shame on you. Get in touch with me, and I'll fix that for you. Uh the guys at ProFish, best sustainable seafood on the east or west coast, Central Farm Markets, the market at River Falls and Scenic Downtown Potomac, and Meat Crafters, best skinny salamis you'll ever eat mm-hmm. in your life. Well, and we should also say uh, the guys from ProFish are doing a huge event uh, this Tuesday, Charity Off the Hook. Uh, it's going to be amazing. We've uh, had them in last week talking about it. It benefits a slew of different charities around the area. It's great tickets, seafood. Yeah, tickets are still on sale. Lots of chefs are participating. It's always a party, and it's always and fun. And it's over in Ivy City. It is over in Ivy okay. City. On that note. Bada bing, bada boom. So okay. back to City Winery. Um, uh, and, I, I, you know, before we, we mm-hmm. talk more wine, John O'Neill's here. John is the head of entertainment there. And when I say head, I mean the head of entertainment. Right. Mm-hmm. He's got great people coming in. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about it more, but G.E. Smith is coming, that amazing guitarist who used to be on SNL. Yep. Joan Armitrading is coming. Billy Squire is coming, and yep. a slew of others that you're going to want to know about. Is there so. a question there? What's the question? I'm just I'm promoting. <laughs> okay. He's really into the Billy Squire thing. Yeah, I know. I, I know. love Billy Squire. I mean, stroke me, stroke me. Okay, what else? Anyway. Name another song. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> uh, well, no, he did that video that killed his career. That's and right. Now he's coming back. So you guys have a 40,000-square-foot facility there. And yeah. Let's talk a, about yes. how it's laid out. Yes. It's, Somebody's got to take the question. Somebody. Uh, so it's 42,000 square feet, mm-hmm. and it's four floors. Uh, like you said, it's the Old Love Nightclub building, and we've done a little bit of renovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, <laughs> a little? I'm going to say you had little. to do a little bit more a than lot, a little. Potentially. Uh, right. But we ha- do have the four floors. You're going to walk in a big grand staircase. You're greeted with a lovely restaurant as well as Pascal's Winery right Probably should do it. a bar mitzvah reception there, don't okay. you think? That's one, one of the spaces. There's yeah. many possible spaces. Okay. Um, but that first floor, pure restaurant, the winery behind big glass windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll see our barrels aging, all of our fermenting tanks, mm-hmm. and kind of where the magic's happening. Right. But you're going to go up another staircase. 
and we'll go into John's territory. We have a 300-person music venue that's seated. We do full food and beverage service, so we're selling our own wines, uh, wines from other producers, wines from a bottle list, beer, cocktails, amazing food, anything you can so want. So is, is the venue, when you say seated, is it seated like at a table or seated like a theater? It's seated at a table. Oh, cool. Um, when you buy a seat, you buy a seat at a table um, mm-hmm. and you'll have that. Is it festival throughout. or you get an assign, You can buy an assigned seat? You buy assigned seats. So mm-hmm. you don't even have to worry about getting there early to, you know. Get uh, a good seat. Get a good right. seat. or Right. Good table. Mm-hmm. And that so it's really cool. nicely done that way. Right. Um, but then we're going to go up to a third floor. Uh, that's going to be predominantly a private event space, but also a second music venue that's a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, that space itself also can be indoor and outdoor. Um, we have a little outside patio and still food and beverage service throughout. And okay. then we're going to step on up to the fourth floor and it's going to be a rooftop. Uh, wow. So pure rooftop bar. Um, everything from our wines, other wines, cocktails. It's going to be a fun place so to So will you out. be eating dinner on the rooftop bar, or is it just drinks? Uh, they'll have a little bit different of a menu. Okay. Um, potentially more snacks, things like that. Snacky stuff. Yeah, I want to make yeah. sure people know where this is. The old okay. Hex Warehouse, which is now Great Loft Apartments, is on New York Avenue. And, and I used to work for Hex, and nobody would want to go to the warehouse because it was like a war zone. And now <laughs> you've got all this great food and entertainment going there. I want to flip over to John and talk about some because what's added value here, along with the food and the wine, you know, the well, we haven't really gotten thing, into the food, so we will. We're gonna we're okay. gonna get into everything because we got lots of time. But okay. talk a little bit about about how you're booking acts and you know, kind of what your focus is there. Well, you know, the focus really is uh, it's pretty simple. We want you to come in. and We want to pour you some wine and have a meal and and see somebody in a in a pretty intimate setting. As intimate as it's going to be for a forty thousand square foot. Space building, yeah, right. it's actually. Yeah, but a three hundred seat venue is not is pretty intimate for music. It it's... certainly is. It's. Uh, I was actually walking around the the main floor the other day, mm-hmm. and uh, the further seat out in the house, you can still see the whites of their eyes, and you could probably hit them with a dinner roll if you had a decent arm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's going to be that. What type if their of thing. eyes are bloodshot? <laughs> right. That no, that would be me. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the city winery concept. I don't even want to call it a concept. It's what we do is we go out and, and get what we consider to be uh, stories that we ourselves kind of dig as bookers. And I think that's why there's there's six city wineries. Uh, we're the newest. Mm-hmm. And we always have a, a local programmer who's a little more in touch with the scene, the local scene. To, uh, so, so is it a mix of? It is. You'll be bringing in lots of local it's bands gonna, it'll be, uh, that's and genres? Why the, yeah, the upstairs helps a little bit because we can develop some local talent that right. way. Uh, but for Jazz Fest, we're we're hooked up with them this year, and we'll be bringing in, you know, legends like Pharaoh Sanders. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're also supplementing with some local cats like Tia Fuller. She's local. Uh, mm-hmm. Is a professor here in town, and also happens to play saxophone for Beyonce. Well, we had um, we had the Jazz Fest in here last year, and I mean, they just yeah. really. Do so We're, much. I yeah. think my band should reunite. Don't I think you? we should stay on topic. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> now that you know somebody, yeah, no. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't know anybody. Yeah. I don't know anybody. I forget it. But, uh, yeah. So, but let's talk a little bit. If we can just jump for a second hmm. to the food program, because like a space this size, it just sounds so overwhelming. What is the food program like? Um, so our food program is going to be Mediterranean inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, the restaurant level, we call it our barrel room, and we focus a lot on chef-driven entrees, um, delicious food, as well as our beverage program. Okay. Um, and then we move upstairs into the venue space, John's space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do feature a lot more of those small snacks, um, kind of almost tapas style, things that you can share, kind of enjoy throughout the show. And what if people want to get up and dance? 
Is there room for that when they're sitting down and eating? Like, how do you figure that out? Well, we're not going to here's it's it's a listening room. She's trying to decide First whether or not foremost. to bring me is the point. There will, <laughs> there will be some shows. Uh, Bob Schneider is one of them. Uh, he's in May 4th. Uh, OK. He's kind of the the undisputed king of Austin music. One of those cats who can go anywhere in the country and put five or six hundred people into a room. OK. So to accommodate Bob and his full band, we're going to do partial seated. And then we'll do some GA so people can move around a bit. Mm -hmm. So there will be some of that cowboy mouth. Same thing. Uh, two nights. They're more of a raucous New Orleans band. OK. So we, we will do that. But I think the idea is uh, it's city wineries for people of, of my demographic uh, who used to go out a whole bunch. And now mm -hmm. we can't stand all night anymore. Okay. But we still want to go out and have a good time. Is he looking at me? <laughs> he is looking at you. No, sir. Never. Yeah. <laughs> but don't call me sir. You I, can't, just, I can't see I that far. I just fell in love when you said he's one of those cats, and now you're dissing me. That's terrible. Right. So it's really about an overall experience. Uh -huh. uh, often the artists we get would play bigger venues. Joan Armatrading never comes to America. She just tours Europe. She's only doing city wineries. Normally she would do a 15-2,000 seater. We've got five shows at 300 apiece. It gives you a chance to get up close to artists there. who would normally play bigger yeah. rooms. Cool. And while you're at it, you get some great wine and, and some food, and it's an overall experience. Well, so let's talk about the wine. So we poured some wines today. Pascal? Oh, yeah. Uh, so Pascal? Well, who, right. Somebody should talk about the wine, right? Shouldn't the winemaker talk about the wine? <laughs> It's grape juice, and we ferment it. Okay. <laughs> well, and don't expect we to come back on the show again if you yeah. want to talk about your wine because you got nothing no, to you say. Know what? It sounds like a Passover show. Right. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, you're you're you've decided to make these wines. Give us a little bit of their story. Well, Sauvignon Blanc is a a, a nicer to, to me and to a lot of winemaker, especially at City Winery, as we do Chardonnay. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but uh, Sauvignon Blanc has more character. It goes a little bit more with uh, more particular food. Chardonnay can be drunk with pretty much any Anything. food uh, except uh, red meat. It's really lovely uh, with so, the ceviche right now, I must yeah, add. <laughs> absolutely, with mm -hmm. ceviche, that's the mm -hmm. wine, isn't it? Um, it's from Lake County, uh, which is a cooler part north of Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. It's northeast a little bit. It's up in the mountain, and uh, Sauvignon Blanc grows absolutely absolutely nicely out there and that's a staple at uh, city winery grapes come from mostly uh that area the other one is a pinot noir and that one is a california uh, pinot noir source uh is sourced in california and wash in oregon not washington mm -hmm. um and uh, this one is halder spring which is in mendocino which is another cool area because mendocino is known for uh a german varietal in uh uh, sparkling wine, mm -hmm. so it's it's nice, but it's it, for me having spent so much time in Oregon, it still has the California style, slightly fruit bomb instead of having the layering. There's of wine flavors. over there. Everybody take some. Don't look at it. <laughs> Everybody should try we some wine. It looks like a seventh grade dance. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, golly exactly. gee. Yeah. So it, it it has a little bit of the layering, like in Burgundy or in Oregon, mm -hmm. where you have the spice, the earthiness, the fruit. Uh, California, especially when it gets warmer, you get the fruit, and the rest is nowhere to be found. Mm -hmm. But that particular vineyard being on the cooler side is really nice because Mendocino has the fog that cools everything. Uh, so Pinot Noir and Sauvignon Blanc had two staples. There's Cabs and Sauvignon as well, uh, Chardonnay as well, um, that we bring, we truck out of this okay. country out there. And so when you come to... Uh the property, will you be able to 
tour the winery and the functioning? Like, is there a tour like you would go yeah. to a normal winery or yeah. is it just for show, like to look, look. and say? Oh, no, no, no. We're going to have a little of everything. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll be offering full winery tours uh, where you'll go with one of our employees, uh, particularly one of our sommeliers, mm-hmm. uh, go through the winery, talk about the equipment, maybe see Pascal in action, and then taste through some of our wines with a little snack. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one option, kind of the very traditional winery tour when people walk down the street. They don't have to drive that two and a half hours. Right. Uh, but we also have the option in our barrel room as well to do flights of wine. Um, all so of like a tasting stuff. room. Mm-hmm. And so you can sit down and ask your server, you know, I'm a little indecisive. I'm not sure what I should do. We'll get you a flight, and you can taste through some of the wines. But um, you don't just sell your wines. Exactly. You sell other wines, too. So do you do flights of those wines as well, or is it just specific to your wine? It'll be specific to our wines for the mm-hmm. flights. Um, occasionally, we'll feature uh, different regions as well for flights. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be coming up to Oregon Wine Month, and as a company, Pascal's super excited about this, uh, we're a big supporter of Oregon wines. Uh, we're actually an A-plus uh, wine program winner. As oh, cool. Overall. Uh, so we'll be doing some flights of Oregon wines for that month only, which mm-hmm. is kind of exciting. Um, but the other wines that we serve from producers will be about 15 by the glass and 465 by the bottle. Wow. Um, will either be the glass or bottle options. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. A lot right. of fun wines. So very quickly, um, uh, before we go to break, I just want to ask, we're, we're going back to Ruta Del Vino for a quick question about the ceviche. It's yes. really good. Yeah. You got to get in front of the mic. Thank you. You got a minute and a half to tell me about this before we go to break. Right. It's and then delicious. we'll come back to you. Sure. Sure. Um, so that's just a... Uh, you know, very traditional Peruvian style ceviche. Uh, we use, but with a a yam or a sweet potato. Um, yes. So there's some sweet potato in there to balance out the acidity of the of the leche mm-hmm. de tigre, which is the juice that the fish is cooking in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that season with you know a little bit of ginger and some red onion uh, and a couple other aromatics. Is there is there a lot of use of ginger in Peruvian cooking? Um, or is no, that your special actually, that's, secret something? That's a little bit of my touch, but I think it works. It works very well with it, without a um, doubt. And it just gives it a little bit extra, f- uh, like freshness and I would say finesse to mm-hmm. the to the dish itself. Who would have thought a guy from Happy Valley would make great ceviche? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. I think I do. Why not? <laughs> All right, let's go to. Okay, we're break. gonna take a break. Yep. When we come back, we're gonna talk more to all of you. So this Fantastic. is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. I want to remind hey. everybody, our. Ace cameraman Eli Nellis is here putting us on Facebook Live. Go to Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I Nellis, and you can see what's happening in the studio along with hearing it. All right, let's go back to City Winery. Uh, excuse me. We're going back to Justin at Ruta Del Vino to tell us about this next wine you're pouring. Well, it's not a wine. I didn't. I decided there wasn't enough chaos and clutter going on in here, so I'm going to make caipirinhas. Yes, uh, which is all a right. Traditional Amen, brother. Brazilian right. cocktail. Um, cachaça is the sort of national Brazilian liqueur. Mm-hmm. Liquor, I should say, not liqueur. That sounds um, like Swedish cursing to me. So I <laughs> couldn't fathom a guess. Kielbasa? Um, is that what you said? No, gosh. Um, so basically, what it is is the cachaça people will condescend to rum and tell you that rum is made from an industrial byproduct of sugar production, which Mm-hmm. molasses. So the cachaça people are partisans of free-run sugar cane juice, which is what cachaça is. So if you okay. can imagine the cane cut, um, they're essentially letting the juice and with all of the sugar run off there and then turning that into liquor as opposed to making molasses and turning that into liquor. So a caipirinha, normally when you make a sour cocktail with citrus and sugar, 
You don't want the the peel of the fruit basically because it contains oil, uh, which will add a bitter. Well, and the pith can be better, exactly, right? Which will add a bitter element, mm -hmm. but because cachaça has this sort of grassy element to it, mm -hmm. um, that actually pairs quite nicely. And by way of background, Americans used to go to Brazil have caipirinhas and get hospitalized because it was very much a sort of bathtub type product that was made out in the jungles, literally in bathtubs. And lately it's become much more of a snooty highfalutin uh, type liquor. Uh, so this one that we're That's pouring here. That's how I here, feel when I'm drinking. Yeah, yeah. We brought this just for you, David. All right. Um, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we got to move on. Move on. Uh, you're going to prep that yes. and then we're going to take it. So Frida, and I want to say it right. Do you say Johansson? Johansson, yeah, that's Johansson. Yeah, all right, yeah. all right, all right. <laughs> all right, so Chef Frida is one of the top chefs in this city. She's the executive chef at the Swedish Embassy. She's one of the embassy. top chefs that you may that not you have may heard of. That's right, because she works in the, in the. I mean, you get around town, but you're working in the kitchen at the Swedish Embassy. Okay, we're not. So unless you're dining there, you don't get around town. Oh, no, like she does. That. She does. I you got a little confused there for a second. Frida looks, Frida looks like a rock star. Tune into Facebook Live. So. Why don't you give us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at the Swedish Embassy? Yes. So um, I work as a personal chef for the Swedish ambassador, Karin Hofström. It's actually my third ambassador. I started mm -hmm. off with Jonas Hofström. Um, mm -hmm. It's actually eight years ago. Um, wow. And I was moving over here and was going to be here for a year. And eight years later, I'm still here. Um, but were you cooking in Sweden? Where did I you did. start cooking? I did. So I lived a little bit um, over the world. I started off in Sweden. I went to culinary school. And uh, after there, I was in Italy for a while. Mm -hmm. I lived in Benissimo. Belgium. Uh, <laughs> right. I lived in Belgium for a while. I had a scholarship while during in school. So I worked for a French chef out there. Um, mm -hmm. And during that time, he went pros um, won Prosper Montagnier, which is a very prestige chef uh, competition. So I got mm -hmm. to go to the dinner with him uh, we ended up i ended up here in the u.s after uh, actually a car accident um okay, I was, that sounds terrible i know it was it sort of was i um i had moved back from new zealand living in new zealand working and um, got back to sweden and got a job and started commuting was going to make some quick money and get out in the world again and ended up in the hospital and almost a year later um i was recovered mm -hmm. and i worked in gothenburg in um close to the city where i'm from and ended up working for a great chef out there, and I got recommended for the job here in D.C. Well, for people who are not familiar with Swedish cooking or what the dishes are, I, can you give us a little history on the kind of food that speaks to Swedish cuisine today? <clears throat> yes. So people always think... Sweden meatballs, right? That's that's what we get. Right, that, right. Is, that, that, that that's all we got. No, Wait, it's not. More? People oh. think uh, IKEA meatballs, and it's it's that's so much more. Say. Yeah, right. it's so much more. Um, I'm from the west coast in Sweden, so I like to feature a lot of seafood. We have a lot of great shrimp, fish, um, and my cooking go back to a lot of the old ways of pickling, curing, smoking, but in more of a new era, which is a lot lighter. Mm -hmm. Like how is we can see the Nordic cuisine is that what it's yes and I like to I like to say that I do new Nordic fusion because I like to get different flavors from other countries and so that's that's a great way of broadening the the cooking as well. But do you think it is that happening in Sweden as well? Not just here because you're in the United States cooking, but is because of sort of global access to different products has that changed the cuisine's sort of overall feel or is it just kind of added to it? I think it, it. I think it added to it. I mean, it's it's very interesting how you have you know the Danish restaurant Noma that was really known for a long time, and then right. you have Favik up north in Sweden where 
he goes out in the wood and gets some bark from the trees. Right, and and makes, everybody's you know, like, oh my God, I'm eating yeah, bark. I know. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a great way. Um, I'm, I'm trying to... For me, it's more local, so like doing um, Swedish cuisine, but with local things here in the U.S. Because mm -hmm. Sweden is very green, we try to work with s sustainability, and also at the House of Sweden, where we uh, have a lot of events and we feature a lot of uh, different things. We try to do the same, so sustainable and green. And I try to do that with the food as well, as far as it goes with budget and money and of the course. possibilities. Of course, it's not I have. easy. I mean, it's. It's um, it's expensive being green. Yes. It can be. Yes. That's what Kermit says. <laughs> um, uh, I got a question for you because, you know, they, they talk about food as diplomacy. Thank you. And do you get a sense that when people come in and they dine with the ambassador um, that there is a um, almost like a glow that comes over the room and, and a, a, you know, that things change? When they've had a good meal? Yeah, so I had a really good conversation with my boss yesterday, actually. She said to me that people think it's all these fancy things and you're going to dinners, but it's more about breaking bread, coming together. And uh, that's what food does, right? Diplomacy is friendship. Food brings people together. So that's what we're trying to do. And she said it's so much more intimate having a meal together with somebody I than agree. just being I, in a meeting room. I, think I mean, look, to... we're having an intimate uh, gathering well, here. Well, not only that, I think you're trying, <laughs> can I come Trump back? planning on taking Putin through the McDonald's drive-thru? Okay, can you stop? <laughs> I'm sorry, I need to get along. Stop. Anyways. Um, you get so off track. It's just That's repulsive. not off track. That's is. food is diplomacy. Um, so, but you're doing all sorts of events. You do, like, what does, what does it mean to be a chef for the embassy? I mean, you do little intimate dinners. You do huge parties. Talk about what that means. Yeah, it's it's actually a great opportunity. And me, myself, I learned a lot just moving over here because being by yourself, being a team of one that I usually say, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you got to be able to do everything from writing menus to go out shopping, picking up the food. Um, I do parties all from two up to 500. So the 500 people parties are usually cocktail parties down at the emb embassy where we do opening, grand openings. We really try to feature. Well, how big is your staff, though? It's me. And we have a butler, and we have <laughs> we have a cleaning lady, yeah, a housekeeper. No, but when you're cooking for 500, you yeah, bring in so extra hands. Yeah, so when we have the 500, we have this little network between the chef, embassy chefs, and you know, um, you have friends, and you have you know chefs, so you mm -hmm. bring them in and you have them help you out. But that's more so during the event or like the day before, a couple of hours before. But all the preparations and the shopping and the cleaning, that that's done by me mostly. Okay, and so what does a typical menu? Look like if you're doing just a menu for, let's say, a, a diplomatic party of 10, what does that look like? So for me, I usually see what's in season. That's the, I say that's that's Nordic cuisine in general. We mm -hmm. we always work with the seasons. We look we, we look what you can find and fall. Obviously, a lot of mushrooms. Always... Do you forage? Do you forage around here? Sorry? Forage. Um you go out you and go out and get tree bark. You go get tree does. bark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> not, well, I not really tree bark, but I try to go but to the farm. But you know farm. what I mean? Because like right yeah. now it's uh, morale season, ramp season. Oh yeah, yeah. So the, do you go out and look for that stuff? I do, yeah. And I also have great companies that I use that will bring in the stuff from more mm -hmm. local. So that's great. And I do love this season is one of my favorite seasons. Spring, it's so many bright colors and it's it's really flavorful. So I try, I try to really, as I said, work with the seasons and then we cooperate. Sometimes I use different berries from Sweden. Today I brought in a little bite for um, for you all with some okay. shrimp. Yeah, can we talk about that? It's yes. Delicious. I already ate mine. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> mine went down in one gulp. So I'm from the West Coast in Sweden. So we have this uh, shrimp that we use. And they, be, they, uh, they go out and um, fish them and then they smoke them. So, so are they baby shrimp? They look little. They're very small, yeah. yeah. So... 
the peel is excellent to do a soup on or make different sauces. The mm-hmm. shrimp go into a little brine. And I decided today, usually you can, it's a toast scoggin, so it's a shrimp salad. It's from the West Coast where I'm from. And what's the bread that it's on? So I decided today to serve it on a rye bread. Um, you know, Nordic But that's country. not like American rye bread. That's a totally no, that, different that, rye that's bread. No, the, that's the real rye. <laughs> <laughs> no, we... Uh, Ouch. So, uh, <laughs> no, we, a lot of people think it's sort of dry, but when it comes to a rye bread, it should be chewy. You know, it's supposed it's to fill you well, it's up. Like it's like that uh, German dark bread. Or yeah, the... it's, it's sort of similar, yeah. And and rye is totally different because it's a lot darker. We don't bleach anything. It's all, mm-hmm. like, pure. And I think that's really important because what it does, it fills you up. So you really have to chew a lot on it, and that way it, you know. It's a high-fiber bread. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's a really high-fiber bread. Absolutely. Um, and then let's talk about your little, so you also do desserts. So I do everything, uh, and and that was probably my biggest challenge moving over here and doing everything. So I do everything from appetizers to main courses, desserts, and uh, even syrups for drinks sometimes. So mm-hmm. um, I decided to bring in a caramel tart today, which is uh, so something pretty. I'm known for. If, if it's not on a buffet table, people will ask, where's the caramel tart? Okay. <laughs> um, it's made with a Swedish syrup, so I think that's what makes it a little bit different. What it's, is a Swedish syrup? Well, it's similar to a molasses, but mm-hmm. it's made with the, with the sugar beet, and it's not as strong. It's a little bit lighter in flavor okay. than, than the, uh, the molasses. And I do it with a almond, uh, sort of an almond bottom. So p- people tend to like that a lot. It's very sweet, do but it's... Do people eat it with a fork, or you just put the whole thing no, in No, you there? put the whole thing you in put, your mouth. You put, maybe the whole thing will be a lot, but Close maybe half. <laughs> Don't put the whole thing in your mouth. And you know that coffee that you the coffee that you had earlier will go excellent with the caramel tarts. Mm. Oh my god, that's good. It's beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. That's really good. Mm. Now you mentioned your cocktails. Yum. Do you have to come up with your own cocktails? Well, sometimes when we do the big openings, we work a lot with themes. So one year we did transportation. So we try to like I don't know what you could do a drink with transportations, but sometimes we use flavors like rhubarb is very big in Sweden, elderflower. Um, so we try to incorporate that into drinks as well. Not as beautifully mixologist as the guys over here, but like <laughs> we, we try to do it a little bit simple with the flavors. Um, and what about wines? Wines, we, we used. It was funny we talked about Oregon earlier because we actually use for the Nobel dinner, which is a very big dinner, prestige dinner. So it is a big dinner, every year. yes. We do, uh, there's a winery out there by a Swedish, uh, some Swedish people called Bergström. So we actually used their wine one year, which was very interesting. Okay. So we do wine. I leave that mostly up to the butler, but we try to pair it once in a while. And we, yeah. I think next time you should come in with the butler. I kind of want to meet him. I know. Yeah. Alice, my, Alice, my other half. I just because want to have one. I just want to say butler. <laughs> That's all. Right. And he actually, he, he's pretty amazing because we do great events together. Like, I bring up the idea a lot of times and he, he creates it. So we work very well together. We have done transportations on, like, the sushi convoy belts where we created food that was transported on and people could go pick their little appetizers or d'oeuvres. Fun. Yeah, we've done uh, mountains with macaroons and fields and all kinds of different things. So it's a pretty exciting, it's a pretty exciting job. It's, do it's you, very... Do you travel, though, for it? Or is everything really done... No, everything is done Local. here out of D.C. So okay. I, I stay with the ambassador. So anything that he, she hosts, I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm actually going to Alaska on Thursday for the first time, representing in a Nordic festival. So that's going to be that's really fabulous. exciting. Yes. Do you well, need kitchen help? Sure. <laughs> I put you, yes. Let's go. Okay. I'm ready. All right. Let's take a break. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. It is literally delicious in studio. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Again, we want to thank our sponsors, ProFish. 
Central Farm Markets, the fabulous market at River Falls, mm -hmm. and Meat Crafters. Uh, and um, I do want to say before we move on that, uh, for, first of all, if I want to uh, attend one, buy tickets to one of the shows at City Winery, what what's the the you know? How do you do it? URL. Yeah, you got to get up to the mic. Yeah. CityWinery.com. You can take it right there. All right, that's and the easy. first show is on the 29th, right? Suzanne Vega, the, the 29th yeah, yeah, and the 30th. Suzanne Vega, Patty Smythe is coming, Graham yep. Parker's coming, yep. which is awesome. Patty it's Smythe it. of Scandal? The one and the same. Oh, my God. That one I would go to. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it's when we book stuff, we try to just look at uh, – she's one of those artists who's already made her money. Right. And people might remember as being like, in her case, maybe a three-hit wonder. Oh my God, I may start breaking out into goodbye to you at the top of my lungs in just yeah, a I second. Yeah, I think you now, and so everybody. Back, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite but song. Just don't say it to me. And now she gets to make music divorce. on her own terms, and she's actually done some of her more interesting stuff recently because mm -hmm. she doesn't have to worry about being on the radio anymore. She Good can just do her. what she needs to do. And but, wait a minute. Yes. Sandra Bernhard. Yes. Sandramonium is the Sandramonium. name of the show. I mean, th there's some great great shows. Okay, so we can get tickets at the website. Yes, sir. Okay, All right. great. Yes, sir. She's well, not I'm a cat. And ma'am. Yes, ma'am okay. as well. I'm a cat, right, actually. You gotta stop drinking wine. Guys and gals. I am a pussy cat. How about that? <laughs> You're cut off. All right, um, wh where's Justin? So this well, wait, can we say goodbye? Do you want to say goodbye to Frida first? Because well, you Frida, just sort of let her go and you didn't do anything. That's right, we really didn't. So Frida, I mean, unless I get invited by the ambassador... I'm never going to be tasting your food, am I? But you will. And I just want to clarify, because I think this wine got to me a little bit. My my big boss, the ambassador of Sweden, is Karin Olofsdotter. And I said something else earlier. So I okay. think the wine, yeah, I just want to clarify that. Yeah, That's you okay. Are, so. You wanna, you wanna, I'm so glad you did. I don't did. want to get in trouble. Because we, no, were no. Really gonna, we were really going to call you on that, you the, so yeah. I'm glad you did. Yeah, thank God. I knew you made the mistake, but I didn't want to say anything. That's okay. <laughs> and now you have to get invited, right? So right, we'll, we'll exactly. make sure. Now, now she's she's caught on tape now, so she just has to make this happen. Right, okay, but, well. but please, no meatballs, all right? No meatballs. Okay, no, great. everything. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. Really nice for having me. This is really fun. All right, Justin, very quickly. This caparina is spot on. Thank it's you. Delicious. Thank you very much. So, Justin, tell us a little bit about the wine program and drink program yes. at Ruta del Vino. Yeah, so all the wines, as I mentioned before, are from Latin America, and all the base spirits in the cocktails are going to be Latin American. So, okay. Pisco, rum, cachaça, of course, tequila and mezcal. Mm -hmm. um, but we sort of bounce around and do some some Pretty. My basic theory is that the spirits are so good these days that you don't have to do a lot of razzmatazz to them, right? Like that that cachaça is a really good product that you could drink neat. So you throw some lime and some sugar in there, and you have a really pretty cocktail. Um, right. We do sometimes get bored, and so the other day I had some rosé that I wasn't going to be able to do anything with, and so I made a rosé syrup, and we made a rosé daiquiri, uh, which was this sort of is electric pink here? thing. No, that is actually the rosé that we do have something to do with, which is pour for you. Uh, I'd just like to remind everyone it is 5 o'clock in Stockholm, so drink up. Um, so this is Susana Balbo, an Argentinian sort of very— I just want to say for the record, you made Andy laugh. And anybody who makes Andy laugh— He has no sense of— I will take that. He does not laugh It's completely humorless. He's an android. Okay. Andy gets another drink then. Um, yeah. So this is um, from a female winemaker in Argentina of some renown, Susana Balbo. A lot of renown, actually. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And it's actually—if you look at the style of the wine, a lot of rosés are very much almost sort of— Purple, like they're they're very. Yeah, but plush. this looks like it's done in the Provencal style. It is a very Provencal style, mm -hmm. and oddly, it's sixty Ooh, forty Malbec Pinot Noir. I drink Pinot a Noir. lot of rosé. I know that. I know my rosé. Oh, right. That's why I drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is also so true. this is yes. If the weather ever breaks, this is a perfect. Uh, if I can use the phrase patio pounder, which I sort of feel ashamed 
having even said. Yeah, wait, how about um, patio pleasures? Yes. I think patio pleasures. Pl- that's what like an Irish guy you met. Yes, right. thank you. When yes. it comes to rosé, it should be a little I'm standing sweeter. right here, David, please. Um, yes. So anyway, um, that's a very good one. And then as everyone is just crushing all these wines, um, we have Villar Syrah from a Cool Climate in Casablanca Valley in Chile. Um, so my own personal palate tends very much more toward, as you can tell from the rosé, acid forward, not a super big extract. So if the weather ever breaks and turns into springtime in D.C. Because you do have DC, a lovely outdoor patio. We do, yes. So Upshur Street is not what it once was. Um, so it's a very nice place to sort of hang out hang and out. watch the sun go down uh, with us. Absolutely. Cool. And just um, lastly, what about pricing? Because mm. most people think Latin American wines are excessively cheap, which is not the case. There's some really... I mean, not only are there really good wines, but they're, they're, some of them can be quite pricey. As much as you would like to spend, we'll ch- No, I'm joking. Um, so we, it, it, it is this true is that— This is not a funny show. Yes, right. It is now. Um, so it, we basically think that the value proposition is good. So I think at the quality level that I'm going to pour you for 12 bucks a glass, you'd be paying 16 if you were looking at, a, at an American wine or at, uh, you know, certainly— certain mm-hmm. regions in France or what have you. Um, but again, it takes a lot of sifting, right? There's a lot of bad wine, I'll say this time, uh, out there from a lot of these regions. And so if you pick through, you can find people who really have passion for their products and, and are putting it out there. And a lot of times it's weird because we know more about the the distributors' books than they do. We have a white Pinot Noir from Patagonia, which is not something that everybody is looking for. Um, or that pe- Well, so I guess... That sort of was going to be my next question. How much education do you have to do to the clientele that comes in? Because, you know, that's something not everybody knows. So how do you introduce people to these sort of unknown wines? It's It takes a lot of education. And so the other theory that we have is basically, you know, everything we have available by the glass, we're happy to pour people tastes. And sometimes... To, you know, I'm surprised to see we're pouring three and four and five tastes, uh, but we eventually land that person on a glass that they're happy with. And that's what it's all about for us. Right. We we are in this because of passion for Latin American wine. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we do a lot of the conventional if you like X, then try Y. Mm-hmm. Um, but that takes a lot of staff training and what have you. And so we try to tell people, look, we don't have, you know, a Napa Valley Cabernet, but try this to not from Uruguay, which you might like. All right. We're almost at the end of the show. No, tell but you every- got to bring Chef on. We're not that far. We have time. We have five minutes left. Chef, tell us what you brought in. Stop. Chef, you brought in all this delicious food. Tell us what we're eating. So the one, the. The cheese that's being passed around right now is a, a grilled um, queijo qualio, which is a Brazilian. Oh, north, I thought it was halloumi. It's a northeastern um, Brazilian cheese. Okay. Uh, and so it's gr- just like it's just the same as halloumi, uh, grilled Wiki. over wood, mm-hmm. and then seasoned with a little bit of garlic oil and some oregano. It's so which good. Which is the most simple and traditional way to taste it. And as mm-hmm. I was explaining earlier, kind of tastes like the burnt cheese on pizza right um so something that every you know a lot of people are familiar with and perfect just summer eating mm-hmm. um and then you brought in another ceviche sure the other uh crudo is a tiririto mm-hmm. which is another peruvian style it's a more of a japanese style um uh sashimi and so it's it's taking the ceviche and the leche and all those influences and then using some japanese technique on top of that um, and so there's some spice in there, a little bit of soy sauce, uh, and there's some mango in there, uh, which just is a little sweet. Which, yeah. Just some sweetness to balance it out. And that's, um, my personal touch. So would you just say, um, we have about a minute. Would you say sure. for your menu that it's a lot of, cause everything you brought in today was little bites, which 
was fabulous and obviously for the show. But is that sure. is there a lot of that on your menu? Are you looking for people to order a great glass of wine or have a fabulous cocktail and have a bunch of nauseous? Um, well, what is we, nauseous in, in Peruvian? In, or in Latin American? <laughs> it was, uh, it's on the men menu as... Shudder to think, yeah. Yeah. Um, just, you know, uh, aperitivos. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have, you know, probably like eight or nine um, different appetizers per se, and then there's five or six different uh, entrees as well. Mm -hmm. But I would say structurally, the menu is very much appetizers, entrees, desserts. It's not. So people come in and think people are speaking Spanish, so it's tapas. It's not a tapas. It's not a tapas, it's tapas restaurant. No, we've been there. No, I didn't mm -hmm. think that. Yeah. And you guys do sure. brunch and no brunch. Just no brunch, dinner. just dinner. Just dinner Monday through Saturday. Okay. All right. Well, uh, to defend myself, I was about to move off Justin to Will. Thank you for <laughs> jumping in. Okay. Um, uh, tell everybody very quickly where to find you on the street. Uh, so we're at 800 Upshur. Um, They're on Northwest. a very sexy street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Great. Um, very quickly, I want to make sure everybody knows that uh, John O'Neill has agreed to allow the Virgin Rubber Band from Amherst, Massachusetts to reunite and play the venue. Thank you, John. And They only um, sing one song. <laughs> So it's going to be a very no, no. short night. We do day one, tripper. One is enough, right? Day one is enough. Um, uh, thanks, John. Um, uh, Nikki is uh, there's a big uh, wine and food event at National Harbor next weekend. That's uh, the true. wine and food festival. Nikki is uh, curating along with Scott Druneau the uh, chef demos there. Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, I mean we had Greg Nivens in here last week to talk about it. Scott Druneau and Vic Albisu and me Brandwine, Alex McCoy, uh, and uh, Rock Harper are all going to be there. Of I'm of course. Say the women love Rock Harper. The women do love them. They oh, can't God. help it. Uh, and uh, and I'll be emceeing us always and it's going to be hopefully beautiful next week lots of lots of lots of wine and booze and uh great food and obviously if you come over say hi at the cooking demo because that's where we'll be all right so that's pretty much it everything you heard about on the show today you can find on nikki's website the list are you on it dot com mm -hmm. shameless plug mm -hmm. follow her on wtop live every thursday at twelve forty. twitter instagram Facebook and all of that. Mm -hmm. And as I'm fond of saying, don't follow me anywhere because I don't do nothing. No, so he that's really it. doesn't. We're okay. Done. We want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. This was a delicious show. If you could just see the there's a lot here. Get there's, invited to the <laughs> Swedish <laughs> Embassy. Right, I exactly. So thank you all for joining us. Next week, of course, we have another delicious show. Leon Lior is back in studio with his fabulous spice mixtures. And Jen Siegel has a new book. She's going to come in and tell us all about it. Thank you again for joining us. And everybody, please have a delicious week.